my friends, and welcome to our latest episode of Armor Party. I am your host, Mike Forster, hoping you are salivating over Andor's final arc, Tales of the Jedi Had You in Tears, and you had an amazing Halloween showing off your new builds. I completely underestimated the beast that is Empire Boba Fett, so consider me personally tapping out as I set my sights on a May the 4th completion date. I am not ashamed to admit that I got my poodoo handed to me, and I can absolutely say that this is the most difficult build in the Legion. The paint, sourcing the parts, trying to do it right, this costume absolutely kicked my butt. But on another note, the ornament project is officially underway. We've got some incredible artists starting to receive their packages, so stay tuned over at Hondo Supply for the latest updates as we do an amazing holiday project that I'm looking forward to. It's going to be incredible. Now, this next episode is quite the reveal. Many of you have had experiences with the former Anovos, and I think this interview sets the record straight. So put down your pitchforks, turn up your volume, and let's get into this conversation about an opportunity that was too good to turn down. Enjoy the show. My next guest is a super fan, a collector, a veteran of all things nerdy, and his latest adventure might be his biggest challenge yet. As he turns the ship around on a backlog of costumes, he's one of the team members who's changing the tune of fully licensed wearables. Joining us from New York City, I'm excited to talk shop with Mark Von Olin, brand manager of Duena Novo. Mark, welcome to the Armor Party. Hi, Mike. Thank you so much for having me and for that awesome intro. Um, it has been a, a weird, wild, crazy road, and it is um, an exciting, uh, challenging adventure that I am currently a part of. Hey, well, that's why we had to bring you on and talk shop because, uh, you know, the, I, I, I only have you for a little bit of time here. And so I know that there's probably all kinds of questions that would, you know, we could, we could probably talk for three hours about this stuff because of how passionate we both are about it. But for a lot of people who I want to understand that like you know you're going to start seeing your name popping up especially as the uh dueno novo line expands you know you've been in star wars and this collectibles space for a long time so if you wouldn't mind tell me a little bit about your background uh, mm-hmm. as is not only a fan of star wars but also your involvement in working with some really great brands around this sphere yeah, I've been in the licensed product game now since 2014. Um, yeah. I joined Tops, the trading card company, in November of 2014, uh, right after they were purchased, right after uh, Disney purchased Lucasfilm. And they were sure. looking for a dedicated position for a brand manager just to run the Star Wars portfolio. And it was really going to be the ramp up to the new trilogy. Um, they had yeah. announced that new movies were coming. Um, so I worked on my first project was basically Journey to Star Wars The Force Awakens and built out a product plan um, while I was there. I, I ran. Star Wars, and I also had other entertainment brands in my portfolio. I did Garbage Pail Kids, The Walking Dead. Uh, we picked up uh, Preacher from AMC for a hot minute. That was interesting. Um, nice. And I worked on cards for a couple of years and then moved to Star Wars Authentics and started up a whole department there, which was the autographing. Um, so we ran right. the autograph hall at Star Wars Celebration in 2019, where I booked all the talent and the guests and everything. So I've been in that space for a while, and then I found my way to Ruby's um, in 2021 and started my journey now 
now in costumes, which is a different category, but still Star sure. Wars. I always joke that when they get you at the tractor beam and they pull you in, there's no escape. So uh, <laughs> this is year eight for me um, in Star Wars uh, product development, working with some of the same people too. That's what's so crazy. Even though I crossed over categories, there are some familiar faces at Disney who are part of like the development and marketing team. And and for you, like growing up with this, I assume, were, are you, have you been a fan since childhood? As I find many people who are now working in with Star Wars in some official capacity, you know, are are you a lifelong fan? As I I, I have talked to many and found this out. Oh, yes. Um, and a lifelong geek in a variety of different ways. Like, I grew up in sure. the 80s. I'm, I'm 42, and I'm very open about, like, what my age is. And especially in, in terms of Star Wars, I'm slightly younger than Star Wars. Uh, Star yeah. Wars was born in 77. I was born in 81. So I always refer to myself as a child of Endor. Like, I grew up with the Ewoks first and foremost. I yeah. assume that the first Star Wars movie I saw was Return of the Jedi. And I remember sure. being in love with the Ewoks, and I watched the Ewoks cartoon, the droids cartoon, the made-for-TV Ewoks movies. And that was my jam and what got me in. And then from there, I remember in high school, like the special editions coming out. And then I was a senior in 1999 when Phantom Menace hit. And then I was right. off to college when the rest of the prequel trilogy um, finished. And then Clone Wars was on as I was like a young adult. So it's sort of grown up with me um, in that way. I'm like a little bit younger than the OT fans and a little sure. bit older than the prequel fans that we're a little right. in between. Um, but it, I've been a fan for a very long time. And I'm also just a genre fan to begin with, like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Doctor Who, He-Man, Shira, Thunder cats those are my jam like i if you look you can see behind me like the wall oh, of yeah. collectibles I, I swap it out based on who i'm talking to so it's largely star wars right now but my room is like littered with masters of the universe action figures <laughs> and, and, and you're playing your audience which of course is, is any great brand manager is doing and for collectibles like were you someone who equally understand that these toys are special but at the same time probably also like me being like well i know that i should probably keep it in the box but it looks <laughs> so fun right yeah um, it's the, the, what is it, one to rock, one to stock, um, was the latest from She-Hulk, and I just love that line. Um, yep. And yeah, I was that guy. Like, I was in the Masters of the Universe Collectors, um, the Maddie Collector subscription line, and I was getting two of everything, because I wanted one out of the box and one in the box, and that comes and goes. I will sure. say now, and I'm at this point where I'm trying to get stuff out of my house, um, because uh-huh. I'm also an avid con-goer, and you come back with a big bag of trash, um, you know, from every table you visited, and every sticker, and every card, and all the giveaways, and the free comics, go to a lot of comic conventions i get a lot of autograph things signed you can see that picture behind me it's a multi-signed piece but i've got those all over the house and my husband's the same way so he was a star wars fan um the same way i was as a kid and we have lego and all the other stuff um what's interesting is like working in the space has given me such a bigger appreciation for all that like it's one thing to play with an action figure it's another thing to see like how it's made trading cards same thing i collected them as a kid seeing what goes into making them i was like oh man like how did how does anything make it into market especially in the 70s and 80s how did anything get done without email like it's mind-blowing right. <laughs> right right and was there so so as you kind of start to you know the and part of the reason i always want to ask people their background is because you do find that throughout most of the people who are making moves and making this stuff happen is that it's helpful for us to remind ourselves that we are working with other fans and that, the, mm-hmm. you know, this is, this is not a uh, get rich quick scheme of someone who's just cashing in on something. This is made by people who love this stuff as much as the consumers that they're making it for. So I, I, what I want to ask you as well, as we start to transition, what, what is your background with costuming? Because now you're, you're in this sphere of understanding and talking with costumers who are having, uh, it, you know, we, we, many of us buy 
pieces to sit on our shelves, but we have full intention of wearing them and going to a children's hospital and becoming these characters and bringing these characters to life. Uh, so what, what's been your experience with, with costuming and, and, and talking with costumers is of course you've been in, you've been to the celebrations. I'm sure you've talked to many of those people, but what's been your background in regards to costumers? Yeah, so this is actually really new for me. So I've been in awesome. movies now for about two years, and one of the reasons I took this job was uh, the new category experience. I'd been in trading cards for a few years and then did the autographing and the booking of talent um, right. you know, with uh, Star Wars Authentics, the convention circuit and all of that. So funny enough, I've dressed up in costumes forever, and yeah. I actually am very familiar with the 501st from my time at Tops because they were always on my press list, and we would usually send cards, and we would also get requests in the mail all the time of like who's going to what children's hospital and who needs product. So we would yeah. send that through quite a bit um, and it was something we always did as a licensee we felt that was like a good give back like I know the 501st mission statement well and whenever yes. we were at like a New York Comic Con or a San Diego or Star Wars Celebration um, you know we'd always see them there um, and it was always yeah. very impressive I didn't realize the level of scrutiny that went into the costume approvals um, oh, until yes. I started on this business so the quick story is um, I got hired to go at Ru- to, to be at Ruby's in early 2021 after Ruby's was bought by the owner of NECA. So you guys are familiar with NECA, the collectibles company? So I'm a big like collectibles nerd, as I was just saying, and my action figures and all that. Like I've known NECA forever. They've been around almost 30 years now. Um, I knew, and I was like, oh, the guy who owns NECA now owns Rubies. That's interesting. And so we're actually coordinating a lot better um, with the other collectible pieces and partners and all of that. And I knew that I had that expertise in there and I knew Star Wars. So for me to then be put in charge of this, um, We'll call it, uh, it was a project slash experiment of like taking on this license that used to be yeah. a Novos. I knew I had the experience of Star Wars and I know collectibles, which a lot of these helmets are, but I didn't right. know apparel and costuming. And I raised my hand very quickly in that interview. I was like, I just want you to know that I don't know how to make a pattern or designs. Like, that's not my area of expertise. I'm like, don't worry, we have that expertise in house. If you know nice. Star Wars and you know collectibles and you're a brand manager from my prior roles in product development and working on licensing, you'll figure out the apparel side. And we've got. Sure people who have been at Ruby's for like 20 years who have been making costumes like the, cost, the Ruby's has been in business for like almost 100 years it seems so right. there's a lot of experience in house on people who know how to make excellent costumes yeah and I love that well and, and as like I said as a, as a 501st member um, and, and the podcast isn't affiliated because we have so many different people and all different experiences with, with different clubs and, and people who truly are just they just enjoy making this stuff um, yeah. you know the, the part that that the where where a novos you know the story of a novos is really interesting because uh, you know as as it comes out a novos and for people who are listening that are have got into costuming post pandemic which actually I've talked to a lot of people who that became their pandemic project was uh, you know what I got all this time I'm saving money because <laughs> I'm not going out um, I'm gonna get into Star Wars costuming and I finally I've, gonna build that kit that's been sitting there since 2017 yeah bingo oh, yeah. bingo and so I think for a lot of people who are kind of understanding the story of Anovos and why it seems to be you know this word that goes on a lot of our, our costuming forums is is for a brief background and please do mark like correct me when I'm wrong but um, it was, it was originally to start out as a high-end wearables, uh, build your own trooper. And they, uh, and it, it was, it was a variety of things. It was original trilogy troopers. It was, it was the force awakens and they had, I, the, when I was first introduced to a Novos, they had this killer deal 
to hook up 501st members so that they could both get Star Wars. I know wanted to see, uh, we need more Force Awakens troopers out there, the First Order, right? Mm-hmm. And there was this killer deal to get uh, like a First Order, I think it was called an Alpha Kit. Uh, you get it for like 350 bucks and tons of people bought that. And then there was an original trilogy costume, uh, original trilogy trooper that was, you know, 300 bucks or something like that. And I remember a lot of people bought those because the deal is incredible. And I know that, of course, if you're a, if you're a licensed, uh, you know, you're a licensed pr- producer of these costumes, you want as many people as you can being like, this is, this is how you get it. Um, and then through time and, and obviously the pandemic didn't help things, but then there became product shortages and then there were, you know, uh, issues with production. And then eventually what happened is I think the backlog just probably got too big and they ended up, I believe, what, did, did they officially file for bankruptcy? And then what was, what was the transition for Ruby's to come in and go, okay, let us, let us take this over. So I don't think they filed for bankruptcy. That kind of okay. information would be publicly available and I haven't okay. seen that. Okay. Um, my understanding is they lost the license and got it. The, the backlog actually goes back longer than you realize. So while they were cranking out kits, um, and they did fulfill a lot of those orders. There were thousands of people running around in Novo's kits, which, by the way, are gorgeous. They always made great they are. product. Um, Absolutely. They made, they made very good product. They were, they started as fans, and it's actually another example of like fans first. Um, and yeah. they started their own company. It was very ambitious, and they started as a Lucasfilm licensee. And I think the transition to Disney licensee, it was the first step into things changing. Um, and it. from there... Uh, things, we'll say things got out of hand, right? Like the sure. cash flow got away from them and they started yep. taking pre-orders, but then they couldn't keep up with the production demand, like needs. And so sure. I, I can, I'm very familiar with the back order because I'm in the process of filling it. It's 5,000 right. units for something like 3,000 consumers over the, across like 50 unique items. So it's right. like, it's such a breath. If you told me like, hey, they never got to the Mandalorian helmet and they took like, you know, a thousand people paid for it and those thousand people were waiting on one item, like that makes sense to me. But this sure. is so broad and it was because right. like they were just using each project, I think, to get to the next and it was actually fine for a while and it was actually just once the consumers were used to that type of delay, it was actually something that I think everyone sort of became aware of like, oh, sure. product development takes 18 months. That HasLab, for example, at Hasbro, which I think we're going to talk about later, yeah. they'll tell you that they're, if you fund this thing, you're getting it in a year. Um, right. I just kickstarted something from from Come On Games for Masters of the Universe, and they're like, the development time is 18 months or whatever it was. And I was like, gotcha, you're going to have my money now, and I know I'm getting it at a later time. Like, we're, we're prepared sure. for that in like big ticket items, sideshow statues, same way. Um, right. But like, it got to a point where as those things were dragging on, then the pandemic hit. And yes. then when that happened, they also lost the license. So there was a right. con- like it was really like that. COVID was kind of the nail in the coffin. When that sure. happened, Ruby's was bought by Joel, our owner, who owns NECA. NECA, and right? With that, um, also picked up the license for for the license they used to have. So that was all the timing, the sync up. Um, so I've been asked a lot of times, like, are we the new Anovos? Did Anovos go bankrupt? Did we buy Anovos? We picked up just the license directly from Lucasfilm, and we got all the old information from Anovos. We I have got a it. order like with customer names, addresses, telephone numbers, like what they paid for it, and I've got all of their old information on product development. So the reason we have a website with fifty items on it is we have all their old patterns, all their old three D files, engineering files. We're working with all the same manufacturers, so it looks seamless, and we're able to right. fulfill the back order. We wouldn't right. have gotten this contract if we couldn't fulfill the back order. 
Sure. I think it's that simple. So for us, we yep. needed all that information. Um, and it's why it actually seems like we're probably a Novos 2. I've seen all the memes, by the way. I've seen the Scooby-Doo <laughs> mask and all that stuff. I've laughed, actually, at some of them because you have to laugh. It's like, all right, well, you, have to. you know, yeah, you, yeah I'm, I'm telling you what it is. But I also understand that people are suspicious, you know? Sure. I get it. Sure, sure. Yeah. And I, and I think the, the probably the biggest frustration, because again, you, and you said it, Mark, uh, the products were fantastic. I mean, really, truly, like what what came down uh, because I have I have had the pleasure of building a lot of original trilogy stormtroopers, and I've got to say that when that Anovos box came out, you take it out, the presentation was fantastic. You take it out, the the cut lines that told you where to cut that were indented in the plastic were clear as day, mm-hmm. and there was there were instructions. I mean, it was really truly the package for being able to buy something, have it show up at your door and you literally walk through it. There was no, like, I got to go on watch this guy's YouTube. I got (laughs) to go and join this Facebook group. I mean, truly it was an incredible product, um, at that. I think what, where people started to get frustrated is like you said, it ended up snowballing into, uh, you know, well, Oh, I spent 1200 bucks waiting for this for three Mm -hmm. years. And then, and then I think what probably was the, again, another thing like a nail in the coffin that you're saying was the communication. I think what eventually happened is, uh, people just started saying, I haven't heard anything. And where Hasbro has the, the ability to be able to communicate on a mass scale. Uh, I think a Novos, that's what became the thing was that they just stopped responding to people because I think they just got like, what do we do? Um, it's possible but, but, too, if they were le- losing the license, they might not have been able to say certain things. Ah, uh, yeah. I, sure. I know when, so here's some behind the scenes and this is public yeah. now, but like sure. we picked up the license early enough that when I started working at Ruby's in January of 2021, I was assigned that project on my first day. It was actually part oh my of gosh. my interview questions because I started getting questions about high-end collectibles and helmets and this and high-end cosplay. And in my mind, I was like, that sounds like a Novos um, because I'm familiar. I've seen them at conventions. Right. I've been in the space for a while. Um, and, and, and I was like, oh, I'm going to be working on costumes, but I didn't think I'd be in like the cosplay high-end replica helmet space and I was like I know exactly who that is and I also know that they're out of business and then like I start my job and we announced to the public in August of 2021 that we had a license and we had some product ready and we started delivering and we started collecting emails and we got all the customer service emails and from people telling us everything they were waiting for but I was working on that for six months beforehand um, so that the public didn't know about so we could actually get product ready and have a website and have a product delivery plan so which is why we have 50 items up right now but yeah there's a lot that happens behind the scenes that we couldn't say anything and we were like waiting to like send that press release like sure. every day that went by, I was like another day of just me reading the boycott of Novo's Facebook page, you know, right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and having that, and even the logo, when it came out, it, it was so similar. And I know that as, yeah. as someone, as someone who does branding though, um, and, and my, my, my off armor party career is actually in, in branding. Uh, and, and you do that to, uh, you know, a remind people of the strength of the product, but then at the same time also know that if, you know, we have to put a sticker on something for packaging that we've already paid for, um, sometimes it's easier to not make this big jarring, let's save money where we can to get some of this stuff out the door. So I thought it was smart from a lot of, uh, from, from my experience and looking at it and saying, okay, this rollout, I, I you know, I ma- it makes sense to me. And of <laughs> course, everyone's sitting there going, no, they're, they're the same guys, trust me. And, you know, the, and the rampant misinformation that people just wanted to like, you know, be the person <laughs> 
get the most upvotes. Um, it, it, was, it was pretty rampant. Like, 100%. I, I, I get why people are angry and I get why people are upset. If I were waiting for years for product that I never got and I spent thousands of dollars. I had one guy email me and his he's like, I have a list of every single order. Here it is. When am I getting them? And it was like $15,000 worth of stuff. And I was like, oh my yeah. God. I was like, right. well, well, it's like, well, good news. You'll have them within a year. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's like, I know that's that, that's like the best the good news is. But also, sure. we're going to send you everything as soon as it's ready. Like, yeah. I know one of the other things with the Novos is they didn't send you your entire order. Um, yeah. If not everything was in stock. And weirdly right. enough, when we were able to get their warehouse stock, like I was like, oh, you've got some Imperial officer hats that people are waiting for. They're here, but they weren't shipped because it was part of like the whole Krennic ensemble. And I was like, mm-hmm. well, guess what? Like the capes are in. We're shipping the capes. You'll get the pants in a month when those are ready. Like you're going to send sure. these to – we'll spend the extra money on the shipping to get them to you as fast as possible because we don't want to do the same things that they were doing. Yeah, and that and that all of that makes sense. And I think from you know, it's until you realize how much goes into say if if buying the ensemble, of course, which could be, uh, you know, technically could be incomplete. If say, oh, I don't know, these metal pieces for the cartridges on Han Solo's uh, mm. jacket aren't in because oh, I don't know, is there a pandemic going on? Is anything <laughs> happening with production? Um, then it makes it incomplete, and so it seems yeah. very crazy that you know, people would go, well, I'll just take the jacket and I'll make the cartridges myself. And you go, well, that's not really how like, you know, fulfillment systems work because the computers don't, can't figure that out unless you have special, and it takes more people to do all that. So it's, I think they're for, for as people have come to understand post pandemic, uh, you know, fulfilling orders, making things, truly manufacturing things, uh, that's not in a garage, uh, as, as orders come in is, pretty incredible at how yeah. many hands go into making it. So, um, I, I, I love that. I love that you've been able to be open about it because I know that it, it helps clear the air of people that are understandably so skeptical. Like you said, mm-hmm. so many people had spent a lot of money and I think they just wanted communication, what it really comes down to. So I'm, I'm like I said, I wanted to get you on the show because I said, they're, they're already communicating with people. Let's, let's, let's get this, let's get this going because the product is that good. Thank you. Um, so yeah. the and and for, feel free to ask the tough questions. That's what you and I were talking about before. Like I've heard them sure. all, um, yeah. and I've been like literally confronted at the booths um, by a few people um, who are like very um, hot and heavy, and I get why. Um, yeah. And I was like, I, I promise you, I have answers, and I promise you that we have uh, delivery dates. I will say we've actually slowed down a little bit of our. Um, uh, pre-orders because sure. in the last three months the supply chain's actually gotten worse and so right. we had imperial officer uniforms delayed slightly we had um what's what else came in late uh the the damn tie fighter helmets just kept getting stuck it was the kind of thing they were made overseas and you have to schedule shipping containers and right what it took to get those things on a boat and then did they actually leave and then how long are they on the boat and then is it sitting in the port and how long is it in the port and then you got to get it to the warehouse and the warehouse has yep. to unpack it like the warehouse unpacking it is a day but it's like a day on top of the other giant delay that you've been dealing with so um we've been even more conservative in our timelines now where um we've also slowed down the quantity now that there are 50 items but in the sure. beginning it was like we were hustling 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 trying to get everything up uh, as soon as possible um, right. And, you know, just trying to be upfront about like, like everything on here on the site, if you click into it, like if it says pre-order, it gives you a delivery window um, yeah. of when it's coming. And if something is delayed, we'll then email anyone who bought that item to tell them like why it's coming late. Which is more than I think at the time Inovos was doing. And so I think that's already giving a lot of people a little bit of confidence back to say, <laughs> yeah, okay, hey, I understand it. And, and, you know, for people who are saying, well, this seems ridiculous. Well, if you visited even Galaxy's Edge, 
uh, you're noticing that lightsabers uh, that are, you know, again, we're talking high-end collectibles that Disney has tried to kind of move between the collectibles and then also practical by being able to swap out the lightsaber blades and all that. Um, you know, they, they announce, Hey, we've got a, a new lightsaber coming out and people go, when's it coming out? And they don't give a date because they, they don't, don't know <laughs> because they don't know when it's going to show up. And so suddenly, uh, kind of unceremoniously they go, Oh, Hey, it's going to be on shop Disney tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And you're like, Wait, oh, oh, okay. You didn't have Which time means, to save, yeah, exactly. Or plan, so, yeah, build right, it into your exactly. budget. And so I think, I think, hopefully, people are starting to understand what goes into and in truly manufacturing things. Because again, uh, you know, these aren't. This isn't a guy making, uh, you know, resin parts in a pressure pot in his in his garage. Uh, these are machined. These are these have to be designed. And 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 there is a lot of it that goes into the licensing process, which I want to talk about a little bit mm-hmm. because uh, there there are different rules. And I think what's really interesting for me is that uh and 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 before we really get into it i just want to say i was there at the booth in 2019 in chicago and my man reggie was that his name reggie so i don't know any of the other like prior novos people i mean i know that i know who joe and dana are i know who there's a second joe i've heard the name reggie from other customer service emails but i haven't i've never met him Okay, so Reggie, I think Reggie was customer service, but Reggie was this ball of positive energy that I could tell was just, I mean, this was a guy who literally was like a lamb to the wolves. I felt so bad for this guy because people were coming in and just screaming at this guy going, give me information. And the guy would go, brother, I can't, I can't, I can't tell you that I I need, I, I, you know, I want to, I want to share your love of star Wars. And I know this is frustrating. People are like, no, don't tell me that blah, blah, blah. And, and it killed you because there was some guy that walked over and they had this, the Mimban stormtrooper with the blast shield on it right Mm -hmm. and i and they had this like mud texture on it and uh and this guy goes i want this i paid for this i want this and the guy's like what do you mean he goes i'm gonna take this right now and they were like no no no, you can't do that we'd have to call security because then you'd be stealing from us oh jesus Uh, but and i'm sitting here like watching this being like this is crazy to me uh but i give them credit for showing up and saying we're going to get smoked here, but they did. And yeah. you know, that, that to me, I said, eh, that's, I, I, I got to respect it. I got to respect I, uh, it. I was nervous about uh, May of 2022, you know, Star sure. Wars celebration, even though we had sure. been live since August and, you yeah. know, it's one thing to get emails. It's another thing to like meet people face to face. Cause we yeah. got a lot of threatening emails. I'm just going to put that out there, like literally sure. threatening a few that I actually had to forward to our legal team. Um, Cause it wasn't like, we're going to sue you. It was more about like, we know where your office is. And I was, and I was like, I great, come visit us and, see our sewing facility like (laughs) you know what i mean like uh but it was very that and i understand yeah yeah. like they people think it's a continuation of a scam and i was like well you can look me up on linkedin my name is right there in the credits right right? mark vonelman you can see that i worked at mondelez which is nabisco for like seven years and then i ended up at tops doing licensed product where i really found my passion my my real background is cpg snacking and before that i was at nielsen i went to Carnegie mellon like i you know there's a backwards train here but the, the point is, like, I'm a real person who's employed by a real company, Ruby's, working yeah. on this license. So it isn't someone's garage um, right. or some, like, continuation of some supposed scam, which, by the way, I, I, I know this – maybe this is overstepping and I'm going to lose people here. I don't think the Anovos thing was a scam. I really think it got away from them. I think that oh. they were excellent designers and made great licensed product f- coming from a fan perspective. And sure. when they went from being a Lucasfilm licensee to a Disney licensee, 
a lot of that structure slowed down their development that they weren't yep. able to adjust to because you've, you've seen it with other licensees. How many licensees changed over, being a longtime Star Wars fan, from Lucasfilm to Disney and disappeared? And you wonder what happened to them. And I was like, oh, the Disney right. machine is a different machine. Tops yeah. was one of the few. Like, I remember being at Celebration 2015, and we had a, th- a thing up on our, our thing that said, Strong with the Force since 1977. There aren't a lot of us who have been, like, a licensee since the beginning. And in some ways, it's, like, <laughs> a stupid flex. Because, like, Hasbro, you know, be- Kenner became Hasbro, whatever. But... Um, a lot of people didn't survive, actually, the Lucasfilm to Disney transition. And then from there, right. the cash flow got away from them, and then COVID. I actually think if COVID didn't happen, people would still just be yelling. They would have been yelling at them at Celebration 2020 and Celebration 2022, wondering where their product is, and the back order would be chipped away at, but there would be a lot of new product coming. So sure, I think that would have just continued. Um but now it's with us, and so we have a way to, like, you know, we've got this license, and we can restart. Um, in some ways, we're going to close out this back order, and then I want, like, no thoughts of, like, what used to be a Novo's, and it's right. going to be, well, what is Denuo Novo doing? So I'm trying to figure right. out, like, what is our path ahead? And it's why I've actually been ta- doing so many interviews and talking with people. I want to know what they want to see next, because I think Novo's did a lot of things really well, Um and I want to replicate some of that stuff, but what what else? What do we need to do next? Especially as everyone has like a three D printer now, like the right, needs in the right. and the needs of the consumers have changed significantly in the ten years that this category has been going. Right? Absolutely. Well, and I think too, and, and what I what I want to get into a little bit is the process of being a licensed vendor, and and we had talked a little bit about it off air, but you know what you see in the fan community and the hobbyist communities, you have a lot of people with just very, very, very practical skill sets, whether they're a professional and then they're a fan on the side. And then you have people like my buddy, Sean Fields, who's a brilliant, brilliant modeler. That's what he does in his day job. It just so happens to be a massive fan of Star Wars. And so he goes, well, if people are, you know, I, I, he gives his files away for free and he makes, you know, here I modeled this up and he's one of the fastest modelers I've ever seen. And the community is small enough that people know and trust each other. And so Sean (laughs) doing this great, amazing thing to get people into the short troopers at the time, because Rogue One was this movie that came out of nowhere that just blew everyone away. Uh, It was incredible. Um, But he, he goes the short trooper. I just couldn't get over it. So here's, here's the entire file set of armor for free. And then from there, people start printing it, and all of a sudden, we're able to bring these characters to life. But he was so good at it that Tom Spina called and goes, "Hey, I got to get you on. I got to get you over." Tom Spina. Yeah, I I got to get you. I know who he is. We're not sure something. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's okay. I don't want to overstay that relationship. I met him once. Sure. Well, and and I think what happened is then for Sean, he gets picked up by Regal Robot because his Mm skill set was so like, you're already there. You're doing the work that we need you to do. And so what I would love to see is start getting that conversation going again with the people. Like even this morning, I've already, uh, um, here's my humble brag, Mark. Uh, I I already figured out what the boots were uh, from this morning's episode of Andor uh, just because Mm. that was my, they, they wore snowboard boots this morning. Oh. Uh, on the show and so yeah, i said i, I, I know I, yeah well okay okay i'm not gonna say anything <laughs> it's else okay, no, it's fine I, i've already okay. seen spoilers on twitter because you know how that goes like oh yeah of course there's no escape course. it's also tales oh. of the jedi day and i have to prioritize that but I, then same. it's on andor yeah yeah i got i gotta watch that as well but uh but you know so i used to work for burton snowboards the company oh, that did nice. uh that did the boots that were on the show oh, and so cool. i said here well here's my background this is what this boot is um and you find that all these people have these these skill sets that end up going into it but you'll never find someone who's able to um 
to truly dissect and deconstruct a costume as fast as Star Wars fans are in regards mm-hmm. to seeing something on They're screen. Incredible. And that's, yeah, and that's because we're able to watching Cad Bane from Book of Boba Fett. Uh, you know, my friend Terry is is you know he's he's figured out how tall Dorian is. Okay, he's <laughs> six seven, right? So we're going to take these measurements and then we found out that the, you know, the hoses were, uh, you know, a CPAP mask and, and here's the, we found the parts and, and, uh, you know, Shauna Tripsick, who's the, who's the designer is in these groups, just kind of watching the, she's not, she's not forcing anything on us. She's not saying anything, uh, but she's going, I, and she literally made a post cause we're friends on Facebook and she goes, I am blown away by this community at how much they know and how quickly they're able to dissect something. Mm-hmm. And so for a long time, I think where Inovos was originally getting, trying to get to was saying, you guys scrutinize these costumes more than anybody because you love the decisions that were made to make these characters what they are. Mm-hmm. And so being able to have that feedback back and forth is super important because if our brand standards to get into the 501st want to replicate, we want you to believe that we walked off the screen and we're now at your town. Um we need those details to be accurate. And so yeah. the problem is for, for licensors is that there, there can't be version five. We <laughs> can't have, you know, Dinjar and Helmet V5 that you can download off, you know, CGI Trader because you guys have to get it right the first time. It has to be available and made to product and then also has to be designed to be manufactured. So can you At explain a little? Yeah. Right, exactly. So can you explain a little bit about like for people who don't really get that process, you know, what, what's it like making something that needs to be designed, like you're saying, to scale? Yeah. So licensed product is super interesting um, as as a entire category, and it's becoming more and more the products that we see on our shelves everywhere. So right. um, it's kind of amazing how much license has proliferated. I think some of it has to do with like the MCU and the fact that like geekdom culture has really taken over everywhere. So Agreed. even something as simple as a T-shirt with a logo on it has to go through multiple steps of approvals. Um, from I'll, let me give you like a very quick like concept to in market on like a generic product. Like if I were going to do a new item with, um, with Disney for star Wars, maybe it was something from Andor. Imagine I'm doing like one of the Imperial officer uniforms. Uh, I love Deidre the blonde. Who's like, you know, the, the only Imperial I've ever rooted for. She's my spirit animal. I love her. Um, so let's pretend <laughs> sure. we're going to make her uniform. Right. So I go to Disney and I say, I've got a line plan of like all my, um, products I'm going to do for 2023 or 2024 on there is the Deidre outfit. It's, um, a tunic, a pants, it's got a belt, she's got a badge, she's got some, uh, data sticks. Uh, what I need now are good photography turns. So one, they have to prove the fact that they want us to do this costume. And yep. then I need from there high res photography, Um, And I need some measurements. In a perfect world, pre-COVID, and I know Inovos did this, they would visit the item. They would would get on set or they would go to the archives and they would literally measure helmets. Like I've seen measurements with like measuring tape to the millimeter um, and and they get like – photography only gets you so far. And on something like a helmet, you can also get like a 3D file, like an engineering file, um, something to use like an OBJ or something like that as a starting point. And then you figure out like how you can turn it into like a wearable item after that. Um, on the on the tunic, the pants, etc., we would get like the actress's measurements, um, or like at least the measurements of the arms, the shoulders, all that kind of stuff, as well as the Pantone colors. So you need all of that information provided by Disney, and it all depends on what they can give you. You then right. have to like take those ingredients and basically remake it. So if I know this is made of like Kali 
you know, cotton, uh, oh my god, cotton polyester blend, right, like a twill or something like our imperial officer uniforms, where can we source that twill? And then how right. can we dye it to this color? So you have to find the manufacturers. Luckily, with uh, we're using the same Anovo's manufacturer in Taiwan that they used on their imperial officer uniforms. We were able to go back to the same guy. It's like the same guy, awesome. um, which is wow. terrific. So we'll get some consistency there. Um, so for the green and black that are coming out and the, the Krennic, which is already in stock, um, it's that same person who did their prior uniforms, the hats, etc. So like, I would probably go back to him first and be like, hey, can we source this material? Uh, can we dye it to this color? And then from there, we need to come up with What's the MOQ, minimum order quantity, on it? the yardage of fabric uh, for that dye? Maybe they need a, several thousand yards. What does that yield in terms of quantities? Okay, I'm going to make 150 of this uniform across six sizes, yeah, small, right. medium, large, extra large, double X, and maybe because it's a women's outfit, extra small. Sure. Like, so you're talking about making a pattern for that outfit and then grading it to all those sizes and then right. figuring out what is the bell curve of sizes available. And you're doing that for a pant and a tunic, right? So they should, in theory, match up. <clears throat> That's just the development. From there, you go back and forth, mailing product to and from Lucasfilm because I'm not there. I'm not physically on site. Photography mm -hmm. is one thing. You have to mail them your samples and get everything approved. They check out everything. Once it's good to go, you then design the packaging. You put it on a model. You shoot it. You make the flat. Um, they get manufactured at scale and they end up on a boat forever and then they hopefully arrive in America um, during the year in which you had intended. Um, right. What's missing from all of that is like feasibility. So I've noticed um, in a lot of ways like helmets for example are great for like the one piece they made but scaling up to 500 of them is a problem for whatever reason. Sure. So when you make a mold and it needs to be made of something wearable and we do like a fully lined interior it's not exactly like the thing you saw on screen because that thing on screen is you know, built to different specs or whatever. So right. figuring out how to make it so that you can manufacture hundreds of pieces and, and have them match, like, so that those 500 pieces are the same uh, and are safety wearable. That's the other thing. We have to test everything uh, for flammability. Um, uh, what else? I think that's really the big one because it's an adult product. Like we have to make sure it doesn't, and, yeah, yeah, and you can't you can't just have you know oh yeah this raw fiberglass might eh, don't yeah, breathe it in. This but try not screw to, right? over here. Yeah. yeah. Right. So right, like, and that's when some of these helmets are actually like really like banged up, which is why a lot of the weathering is done through like either decal or paint or whatever. Like we're not sure. going to have like real rust. Um, so it's the kind of thing where you have to make it look as close as possible and then be able to replicate that hundreds of times over um, and be able to afford to do all this. So in, like if I'm going to do um, invest 3D files and development costs into this item. We have to probably sell hundreds of pieces just to recoup our costs, um, sure. which I understand too for you guys. If you're making one piece, all of it is, you're not selling it. All of it is money spent. So, yeah. um, but imagine doing that on a large scale, hoping that you then make your money back, assuming it's a hit. I have helmets on my site that are not a runaway hit, um, but I've put them on there obviously to fulfill back order or for whatever other reason and I have others that are giant hits um, right. like 501st Trooper actually that helmet the clone trooper with the 501st markings giant hit I'm like trying to keep it in stock it's hanging right. on my thread so <laughs> well and that's and, and what's interesting is that you know there's so much like and I'm sure you guys also aren't really too cued into what could come uh, you know down the pipeline of okay we have these stories we have, you know of course with many things uh, you know the prop houses are able 
to, uh, you know, they have to make stuff and they have to do that ahead of time for production. But, I, you know, and I know that, uh, you know, certain licensees are able to get a little bit of an inkling mm-hmm. of here, this is what's going to happen. But I've had enough people who have worked on the shows um, that they they make something and by the time it gets to set, it radically changes because yeah. of what something happens, right? So, you know, you're, you're over here as a license holder trying to say, we're trying to forward think based on the limited amount of information that we're getting from Lucasfilm uh, that could also change because of whatever reason. And so, uh, you know, for, for, you know, you couldn't, you couldn't probably sell a clone trooper helmet, uh, you know, f- six, seven years ago, but now because they've been reintroduced to a lot of people, like you're saying, yeah, they're, they're kind of hot right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. Well, it's, the, it's the constable Zuvio thing. Um, you know, there's a Hasbro figure of constable Zuvio who never is, made it to the his, force awakens. <laughs> no, his scene was <laughs> right. cut. He, you can see yep. him barely on screen. And I know that cause we have a trading card for him at tops. Yeah. That's low risk, right? Putting him on a character yeah. card on in the tops product, but having right. an action figure on shelf for tens of thousands of pieces across targets and Walmarts and yep. ruining your sell throughs and whatnot. That's a problem. Sure. Um, and there are always those risks and sometimes full content streams just disappear. Sometimes you place a bet on something and it doesn't land like bad batch season one didn't really land when it came to licensed product. Um, and it's why, I mean, we're not going to have anything from bad batch on my site cause it doesn't make sense for high end, but I hear right. it didn't really land for mass market either. Sure. Um, who knows season two may do better. Uh, rebels was a slow burn. Uh, clone wars was a hit out of the gate, but like Rebels took a little bit of time, and I love, love, love Rebels. Um, right. But, like, you never know what's going to be a hit immediately. Um, I actually think Andor is an incredible show, but I'm hearing the ratings are low. I don't know if that's going to translate to consumer products, but, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm loving Andor, and I hope they keep it going. And, you know, I just give us give us the super fans just, like, I don't need to see him in Walmart, but I will take a Black Series figure, like, direct to consumer, sure. Right, um, right, Like, right. we can well, figure that out. Yeah. And getting on and getting on, like, so let's use that example because I think Andor is kind of this, like, kind of brilliant uh, a scope to look at because <laughs> Andor is not Baby Yoda show. It is not a kid show. I mean, we saw in the opening not scene. Not general market at all. Right. Yeah. It, 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 you know, the, the kids are, are, are feverishly buying anything with lightsabers and anything with Baby Yoda and, and all of this stuff, which is huge for merchandising, and that's great. Um, and but then you you know you go over to this show, and it's like, oh yeah, well here's Andor. He murders two guys uh, in the <laughs> opening scene, and uh, you know then we got this other thing where uh, you know we're killing people, uh, uh, you know, pretty regularly. So we hope mm-hmm. your six year old gets geeked on this show. Uh, but at the same time, for someone like you and for uh, Duano Novo, um, you know, it kind of is that market. You know, if there if there was a a, a blaster or something. Uh, you know, you're going, yeah, we wouldn't be able to manufacture anything that would look good. Uh, you know, Hans DL 44, it's going to be 800 bucks. It's metal. It's got all this thing. And, and you have this adult consumer base that is not as feverish as your toy collectors of kids Mm -hmm. and adults. Uh, and so you're, you're, it's, Andor is such a brilliant little interest scope of, of where Star Wars is in its own way. But, uh, you know, the question I want to ask in regards to bringing these, these pieces to life. So let's use Deidre as an example. Um, in cases of, we now have seen for the first time, uh, a, a assistant officer where I think, I believe we're calling them, you know, a, a, a assistant Lieutenant or whatever it is they have for the first time ever gray tunics. <laughs> yep. De- black De- collars and Black, right, like armbands and stuff. Yeah. Yes, yes. The commandant having his own yeah. specific one. Right. We've never seen that before. And then even yeah. the, uh, you know, even even um, some of the higher end ISB officers have these almost like silver epaulets that we've never seen before. Mm-hmm. Um, and so 
for you guys, you look at that and you go, you know, the, the ongoing joke with Imperial officers, I have one, so I, I can, I can make this joke, uh, is always trying to figure out the field gray. Field grow, right? This German, not totally olive green, not totally mm. gray, but when it takes on different light, it almost has this color shifting ability. Um, and so now we have an Andor, we have Deidre's new twill. Uh, yeah, it's which, not the w- same white as, or the off white as the Admiral. It's a different right. color. Yeah. Right, right. So, so when you see this stuff like this, and now we have this gray tunic, but then we have to also figure out the feasibility of like how many people want to be an assistant officer when you could just yeah. be a straight ISB officer. Right. Um, and then, you and then, be you know, Lauren or Thrawn. Do you want to be Deidre? Right, right. Yeah. So, how how do you how are you guys figuring out a, a demand, a need? Like, how how does that you yeah. know in terms of in terms of that kind of scale of of getting that that part figured out? I will say that's something I need to work on. And it's because right now I've been so laser focused on backorder that I've got this like lag demand. And so if you visit our site, like you'll see there's some, there's a lot of Rogue One stuff up there. And it's because like I've been developing stuff that was hot six years ago, right? So like the Shore Trooper helmet, the ATAC Trooper trooper helmet, the the Krennic Ensemble, like those are all from Rogue One. I was like, that's like seven movies ago. It's the kind of thing where so many streams of content have come since. And even right now, my latest release was the Poe Dameron helmet from The Force Awakens. Um, And and, and by the way, there's more Stormtroopers coming uh, from the new trilogy. I already have the three premieres up, the the Stormtrooper from Force Awakens, from TLJ and Executioner, the plastic versions are coming. So we've got a big rollout coming what we have done not a lot of yet is asking what do people want from the new streams of content um, sure. because we're still sort of absorbing all of that like the last show is Obi-Wan Kenobi if I do an Obi-Wan Kenobi outfit it'll be from episode 3 it will not be from the Obi-Wan Kenobi show and sure. we weren't going to do anything with Reva because like full costumes are just not on the table at the moment as right. we still have to catch up with like costume accessories like imagine Mandalorian trying to do an entire ensemble like people are still waiting for this Kylo Ren from 2016 that I I'm still working on, and I've From been working Force on Awakens, for two years. Yeah, because it's different so, than Last Jedi, right? Yeah. Yes, it's a it's a whole thing, and so right. I, you know, I wouldn't invest tons of time into doing like a whole Mandalorian ensemble, but I would like to get you parts and pieces on an ongoing basis. Like I'd rather do that. I'd rather sell you a shoulder piece tomorrow and a hip piece a month from now and like let you build as you go, as opposed to waiting for the whole thing two years from now. Like I think that's going to be our new shift in business, like having parts and pieces available for builders and costumers uh, as we get like approvals on individual pieces, as opposed to waiting for the whole thing, which I think was the mistake with Kylo. I think most people just need the clothes and right. like maybe the pants like there's probably three pieces from that outfit that people desperately need but I'm making like 15 like the number right. of components is insane and some of them are barely visible so at yeah. that point like if you have the three good ones and the cloak is the most important like could we have just sold you that um, or a Novos at that point I didn't make that decision seven years ago but right, I, right, right. I am dealing with the consequences of that decision from seven years ago <laughs> you're sure sure absolutely <laughs> um, and, yeah. and is that in, in the, the process for when you're developing new products um, you know, because we have so many amazing ways for people to 
uh, you know, the, the 3D scanning capabilities. Mm-hmm. Use the 3D gun, and it can basically like give you all of the dimension. And 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 that's how people who have just so happened to have manufacturing backgrounds, uh, we've been able to bring a lot of these products back to life. Um, the mm-hmm. fact that there are people out there who are making, uh, you know, Boba Fett's Empire Strikes Back Weebly Blaster, which is a Weebly flare gun from 1917 that only few of them exist now, yep. but someone was able to get it scan it get mm-hmm. basically the you know the the con, the constraints and all the proportions right and then essentially be able to remanufacture those of course as non-firing props it doesn't shoot a flare anymore yep. but um you know to bring this like vintage british flare gun back to life in 2019 yeah, it's incredible and so what it, for you guys that has uh equally uh, the, some of the resources are, are more available to you than they are to hobbyists, but at the same mm-hmm. time, you have a different set of rules because certain things, yeah, yeah, you just, you don't have access to. So in regards to accuracy and, uh, you know, um, something that I think of, of course, is like the shore troopers among the 501st, uh, people had to strip the Anovos paint job off because we had determined through a couple people because the customers now at this point uh, have appreciated our love of their work mm-hmm. and so a novo shore troopers had to be stripped and then painted with this this paint called sahara beige which is from montana it's a uh it's a graffiti line uh, and that's what people were using so that they could get a matching helmet with the body paint to be um, all accurate now if yeah. you're buying this for the shelf it's got the tan color. That's what you're looking for. Yeah, but if you but want the matchy, we, matchy, yeah, exactly. So, so for accuracy, what is your guys's process to make sure that you're getting something that you know you guys are going? This represents what we see on mm-hmm. screen. What is that process for you guys like? Yeah, I mean, ultimately, like Lucasfilm is the arbiter of what is correct, and yeah. I've had a few, I'll say, uncomfortable conversations with people who think they know more than the licensor. Um, oh yeah, and I'll, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> sure, um, sure. Not to get into granularities or call out specific people, but I've definitely stood at the booth hearing incredibly detailed conversations about what is wrong about this item, and I was like, Lucasfilm approved it and gave us these specs. And if there's something about it that you think is incorrect, I truly wish you should email Mr. Disney. Uh, <laughs> and look, I'll take the note. Um, sure. But like at the same time, it also if now if it's something for like manufacturing, like we always talk about how the inside of our helmet are um, lined and padded and mm-hmm. you can't have like certain types of edges uh, things like that like uh, like the, the clone trooper helmet is actually probably the best example those are all yeah. rendered digitally they didn't exist in real life until most recently in like the real right. life right so novos had started in a two-piece helmet and i was like well that's terrible and stupid and it's gonna break like we need to make this a one piece we're removing that bottom ring hey lucasfilm can we remove that bottom ring and like you can't see that on screen anyway remove the bottom ring that's not accurate compared to like the digital drawing, right? Like they gave us a right. 3D with a bottom ring. And in, if someone from the 501st could easily say that bottom ring isn't there, this isn't like approvable or whatever. Right. But it is. it does match what you see on screen. So sure. we are going for screen accuracy, but wearability is number one. And having right. a one-piece clone trooper helmet was way more important. And that stupid piece on the back would be visible. That would be worse. Right. The seam, from an yeah, execution. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. The seam, um, right. and it's gonna fall off. Like I, I remember seeing the magnet thing, and I was like, originally it was a front piece, which is worse. Then it was a back piece, and then I was like, well, now it's a one piece, and I will die on this hill. And luckily, now we got the one piece done. We've got the clone trooper in three versions now. We're doing a weathered, which matches like what Anovos had had on the back order for their phase mm-hmm. two. We're doing a pure clean, fresh off the line 
line. And we made the 501st as our celebration exclusive reveal, not not exclusive, but it was the reveal at celebration. And right. that one's been a big hit. So that that's exactly the kind of thing where it's like we didn't follow perfectly what the item was. In theory, though, it matches exactly like you see on screen, and Lucasfilm has confirmed that. Like, the right. color is actually, like, a good example, too. Like, what is that blue color? In my mind, it was always turquoise, almost like the shirt I'm wearing, which I realize your listeners will not be able to hear. But, like, imagine sure, sure, yeah. royal blue or turquoise. The blue is way darker than you realize when you see the pictures from Lucasfilm. So the yeah. conversation about color becomes, what's the measurement of that color? Do we have a Pantone? Do we have an RGB? Do we have a CMYK? Is it measured in any way shape or form and then how do we replicate that measurement and make sure when we send it back to Lucasfilm they're like yes this is the correct color right right yeah. and then and, and what's really interesting about all of this is because the costuming part of it is that people have now we actually have 501st members that have been invited to set yeah and oh, yeah. they've I've seen many of you on screen in yes, Obi-Wan yes, it was yes. like mostly 501sters <laughs> as the stormtroopers it's amazing right yeah. and then, not and into then new Onovo ma- stuff by the way like I can't take any credit for that our kits were not out so. sure sure well there, there were I know there definitely were some in the Mandalorian for sure um and and usually what happens in those cases is that now we've got guys who are you know they're they're sneaking they might sneak a photo and say oh this is really interesting okay cool I want to take a picture of this but also because their brains are kind of trained to to remember this um you know you know the 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 Rogue One uh, type pilot helmet was done from a manufacturer, uh, or not from a manufacturer, from a hobbyist. Mm-hmm. Um, the 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 two scout troopers um, that were in the Mandalorian were done by another hobbyist, and so you you have these things where now all of a sudden these things are now canon, and the shape mm-hmm. of them are different, and like we're the only people who notice this stuff. But what's interesting about like what you're saying about like paint and all this is, uh, you know, now we have, you know, I mean, this, like I said, the joke about the field grow, um, this, this German green. Yeah, that color is weird. It, well, you could look at like Admiral Piet in the very first, ep, you know, the very first boardroom meeting in, in A New Hope and you go, that his suit is gray. It's not green. But then mm-hmm. you compare it to a different, you know, say color grading or you compare it to a different scene you go oh no it is it's almost like an olive green right it's lighting it's also i will tell you this too in 1977 1977 no one was thinking about licensed product and they certainly weren't thinking about us replicating their costumes agreed the perfect example of this because i had a long a too long conversation with someone about the number of rings of seams on the hat on the stitching yeah yeah, the stitching are there four there five there six and the answer is yes because (laughs) it varies because there wasn't consistency in 1977 because this was a low budget b movie that turned into a franchise that we're still talking about 45 years later however it didn't start in a way where there was consistency and because of that like they're all technically correct but i think ours has six just to double check one two three four it looks like we have six like (laughs) i'm looking on the website now but like i love that it doesn't mean that the four is wrong or the five is wrong if you have an old DeNovo's one or whatever. Um, and honestly, there's batch variation in the olive gray and right. with the way the light hits it. And are you watching the special edition or the original or the 4K or the Disney Plus? Like, it's all going to look a little bit off. So for us, like, we have to make sure, um, one, I, by the way, I want the approval of the 501st. Like, one of the things I actually want to do is when these uniforms are fully in, send yeah. it to someone who's in the 501st. I met several of you guys at New York sure. and talked yeah. to some guys about this. And like, 
I, I know that approvable is not really a thing by garment. It's really about your entire look. But yes. if I'm able to tell people like, hey, people have joined the 501st by using these garments and styling them correctly, I can right. say like you could feel confident that you could buy the tunic and buy the pants and buy the belt. But if right. there's a problem with something, I would like to address it. That's the nice yes. thing about starting fresh because if there is right. an issue with this tunic, like what if that snap is wrong? Like right. I'm looking at like the uh, – it, this is built to the exact same specs as a Novo, so I don't think it's going to be a problem. But like sure. imagine like the slits didn't open, right? Yeah. Like, And you yeah. couldn't put to the data the, stick in. The right? yeah, yeah, right. So that would be a problem. That would be like not an approvable costume. You'd have to adjust it and you'd have to make right. that work. So right. that's where like uh, – that's my next step coming up actually. Funny enough, on the Imperial Officer uniforms, I've got some contacts over at the 501st, like the New York Garrison, who yeah. I want to talk to about that exact thing because I right. think it's a valuable – piece and we're, we're we are making costumes for you and your people like more yes. than anyone else like this is right, not right. general market halloween costumes the the tunic is 300 bucks the pants are 250 dollars. the belt is 75 it has 75 person. yeah right, we're spending 800 dollars right. plus the boots and we right. don't make the boots well right. you know i think the anovo's adage will dress you from like head to ankle um, you know, I, I don't know if we're going to get to the foot, but like, that's where we are too. <laughs> sure. Well, that's, well, that's where companies like Hessen Antique, uh, you know, that makes World War II replicas all of a sudden yeah. they're, they're like, what, what are you guys buying our, our boots for? They say, oh, we're buying them for Imperial officers. And they're like from yeah. a movie from Fort, what? You know, uh, and the same thing, Snowtroopers, Canadian mucklucks, like no one else mm-hmm. is buying used Canadian mucklucks besides the 501st. Yeah. I can guarantee you that. Um, I love but, a cosplayer who's scrappy. Like I remember when Dr. Horrible was a thing, like when it first <laughs> came out and there were these like welding goggles that were all over Amazon that was like, buy these. And then they offered to you, like people also buy, and it was the white trench coat and the white boots. And this one little company was making these boots and I was like they must wonder what the hell is happening with like these random people buying these boots right well what's funny about that is a lot of the products that that the costumers are buying is like you know they have they're on budgets like this isn't mm-hmm. some like just because it says Star Wars doesn't mean you have your endless budget right and like the boots that man that Mando wears are uh, 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 a style called Blaine Orson it's by Skechers and it's been discontinued for two years so oh. You can't find those anymore, but they were able to buy, you know, seven or eight of them and said, you know, they, we bought them at 40 bucks. Like they're, they're on sale. They saved me money. Uh, for us, we've had to go on eBay and try to find, you know, or, or you find them at a thrift store or something, which <laughs> is awesome. Um, you know, there's all kinds of instances like that uh, where, you know, you've, and, and even the shore troopers uh, made by this really great high-end company that's called Orca Bay. Well, that, com- that boot specifically was discontinued. And then eventually what happened is they hit a screen. People found out that the Havana sand colorway, they brought the boot back into production because so many people were demanding it. And then yep. all of a sudden they're like, okay, Star now Wars we're is evergreen. Like if you have anything that can be used for a Star Wars thing, you can be in business forever. It's incredible. Yeah. So I, I just, I love, I love that, that level of detail. And the funny thing, of course, that I'm, I'm laughing at is, you know, when you said, uh, you know, you look at the tube stripes of 1977, <laughs> there were stormtroopers without any tube stripes. I mean, like, you know, Brian, I had Brian Muir on the guy who sculpted the body of the, of the stormtrooper. Uh, and he goes, you know, and Vader, right? ma- yes. And Vader, yeah. of course, his, his thumb is is the piece that goes in the mouth and so you could always oh. tell if a vader was accurate because if his thumb could fit in it that's what that shape was so no so there you go if you want to get the vader brian muir signed off right then make sure you can yeah. put his thumb in it <laughs> um but what's really interesting about that is you know you look at how wonky some of the original costumes were that shepperton had yeah. done and 
you're sitting there going, you know, none of this stuff was consistent. I mean, they loved Boba Fett so much as a character that they did not save his Empire Strikes Back costume. They literally repainted it for Return of the Jedi. And you're sitting here going, what? That should be in an archive somewhere, you know, or Indiana. <laughs> that belongs in a museum. Well, they didn't yeah. care. They repainted yeah. it. And so... I mean, think of all the missing episodes of Doctor Who. Like, the, the, the BBC literally taped over them. Right. Like, there's, there's, entire, there's an entire genre of, like, one of the longest-running sci-fi series of all time. Literally missing episodes because BBC decided they, need, they didn't want to buy more tape. Does like, anyone need crazy. this stuff? <laughs> no, we'll just tape over, like, this very important part of sci-fi history. It's in, you know. it's incredible. Well, and and I yeah. and then I'm I'm laughing about the licensing thing because you know like this I'm I'm also building a an Empire Strikes Back Boba Fett right now, and you know EFX was one of those companies that had you know they had the original lineage they did the scan from and that became a whole another debacle in that in its own right. Um, but but being able to you know the the joke about the licensing is you know there's this the the half moons on Boba Fett's crest, which I think is called the blood fin instead of this wheat thing that people have have started to say. But if you look at the original yeah, blood like fin, yeah, it does look like wheat. But it it originally it it actually is much wonkier, and it's not it's not in half moons as uh-huh. uh, many like Columbia and all these companies are are using. So that's over time evolved into being more accurate, except for where we see it on. On screen, but if you go around to all these licensed companies, uh, they've got this more modified cleaner to say, I don't know, embroider. Like you can't have yeah. it be super wonky, and people need to know that some pe- things need to get updated. Um, There's also so I less just, weathering on most things. Like if you buy a helmet from Hasbro Black Series, yeah. it's usually not weathered. It looks like it's clean off the line, um, right, as opposed right. to the way it looked on screen. Um, right. Our big point of differentiation is screen screen accuracy, so we, we've got a lot of weathering. So if you love weathering, come check us out. I think it's actually right. one of our points of like real differentiation. It's what Innovos did really well as well. Um, but like, licensed product gets reinterpreted all the time, sure. um, and, I, and it is an interpretation of the thing you see on screen turned into the category. Like, Funko is a great example of that. You can look yes. at Funko and you know immediately who the character is, even though all these proportions are, like, wildly out of whack and the colors yeah. aren't right, and, you know, yep. it's a Funko. It's supposed to be like that. We are trying to hit, like, screen accurate as possible. Um, there are some limitations there, though, and in most cases, like, the if we run into a limitation that we can't surpass, like, Lucasfilm then has to sign off on, like, what that means. Um, an alteration yeah like the Mm -hmm. clone trooper was like a great example of that i will say um we're also dealing with like specific materials so case in point um replica versus costume accessory i'm working on the ray staff from the force awakens and just saying that out loud makes me laugh because from the force awakens but it's on the novo's back order it's (laughs) one of the few props there aren't that many there's like the staff and there's a couple blasters and blasters i want to get into next actually because i think it's an interesting conversation but yeah of course the, the material started as like a fiberglass or something and under our contract like we really everything really needs to be wearable and when it's a fiberglass piece like for a helmet it's still wearable but as like a staff it's just like a long angry stick that you can't bring anywhere because like it's not con friendly it doesn't so we break actually, down yeah sure yeah right. so right so and i think originally um anovos had, had visioned it as three pieces so we kept that but we changed the material and now it's like this foam with like a different type of coating it's not like a shitty foam um, oh i'm sorry i just cursed it's not like no, a bad okay. foam um right. yeah it's, uh, high, it's probably high density uh almost like a polymer that it essentially yeah. it has been it feels like rubber but- Yes, yes, but, exactly. So it's con-safe, but also structural enough, and it will hold the shape of like what the staff is supposed to look like, and it's still going right. to be in three parts, and we're working on it now. But like that change is now unlocked. Like We could potentially 
do that Boba Fett gun, you know, because it'll it won't be a gun; it'll be in plastic, rubber, whatever it's right. going to end up being. Um, yep. And we do have other uh, blasters that are on the Anova's back order that we want to get to next year. I, I want to say sure. that there's a Boba Fett blaster and there's a Stormtrooper blaster of some type, but like we can't make those overseas because you can't be shipping that kind of stuff overseas. So they need to be done domestically and they right. need to be unpainted, um, yes. you know, or painted orange. Um, yep. And now we're going to do it in this rubber. So a lot has changed from where the original starting point was, of right. what a, a Novos was imagining for that. So that's how like this is now evolving but with that in mind like imagine i could do the mandalorian long rifle which you know that would be super cool or we joked the other super night cool. i was on, on, on my podcast i was like oh we do the bonnie piaz gun from obi-wan kenobi because i am uh, team baru crew so do we do the sawn up shotgun for her yeah she pulled she pulled that thing out she had the gat ready to go like oh, oh someone's girl. coming to the homestead yeah like, get ready damn yeah was she, a did, great she didn't meet. hesitate no, she was ready. I mean, she's been preparing for that moment her whole life. Um, but th- there was that great meme of like, you know, Amperu versus Darth Vader. The question asked is, how much prep time does Amperu get now? And I was like, <laughs> yes, it's like that's really. And by the way, Bonnie Piaz in real life is uh, a badass. Like, she survived the Nexium cult. She escaped. Like, she helped take them down. Like the Keith Rainier thing. If you guys have not read anything about it, is like fascinating. And Nexium season two just started on HBO, so okay. she was just on my TV as Bonnie last night. Yeah. So um, I, I just love her so much. Um, but yeah, like, we yeah. were joking. It was like we. We have to do her weapon now. <laughs> By the right, way, that's right, not coming yeah. from Denuo anytime soon, but like, okay, there we I would go. love there to we... personally get that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Well, and it's it's interesting that you're talking about that because I remember very specifically you had the, I believe the model number is called the F11D, which is the the first order's uh, version okay. of uh, the the their their blaster. It wasn't their sidearm that was you know bolted to the to the hip. It was yeah, that kind of long. One. Yeah, the the longer, almost like the carbine. Yeah, it's like a. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, and that replaced what was called the E11 that the traditional original trilogy stormtroopers had. I want to say um, we have the E11 on the back order. Um, you probably should, because I remember people got very excited about them because they've been very hard to come by. There were a couple of fans like that had, yeah. yeah, well, there, there were a couple of fans <laughs> that had made them out of, uh, out of foam. And then a couple of those people were like, well, you just can't do this. Um, but the, the difficult part about it is that even in that regard, uh, you know, a new hopes version is different than mm-hmm. ESBs, even though it's made out of the same British Sterling you know, submachine gun. Um, but they just kept adding parts to it. And, and you would have, if people, <laughs> some people might be listening and going ESBs, E11 is different. Oh, it is. And so is return of the Jedi's just like their armor is different. The, you know, the black on the helmet is from ESB. Mm-hmm. The return of the Jedi troopers have a trim line around the outside. I mean, like everything was different. Um, and so it, it's just so, it's so cool to kind of see someone that's able to dive into this collectibles realm and is able to produce this stuff. And, understand those nuance that goes into making that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, and I, I love that. And so for you guys, you know, h- how is that, you know, who's, who, do you have, is this Ruby's creative team that's modeling this stuff? Like who is the creative team that's behind? You don't have to give any names of course, but like, oh, yeah. who is the, who are the creators that are, that are kind of in charge of, of coming up with this digital to render if you're not able to get it from Lucasfilm yourself? Yeah, so luckily most of our information came from the old Inovos bank on the back order, which is okay, the vast majority it. of like what's on our website right now. And then when it came to new development, we do have a big in-house development team. Globals, uh, Ruby's is a global footprint company. We have offices yeah. uh, in Europe. Um, we sell across multiple um, 
continents. Uh, we've got licenses for Marvel, for Star Wars, for DC, WB. All the big companies. Um, all oh, the yeah. big ones. My, my base business, actually, in the office is Viacom. So I work on, like, Nickelodeon. And oh, yeah, do, yeah. like, the, the Halloween costumes for, like, Blue's Clues and JoJo Siwa. It's, like, a very different day-to-day. So if you're talking to me one moment, like, about Blue's Clues, and then it's, like, pivot to, like, high-end Star Wars. It's really weird. <laughs> sure. um, so my, my portfolio is a little bit wonky. I also have Sega, so I do Sonic the Hedgehog, which is really fun. Oh, um, fun. But, like, our... our, our team internally we've got like a team of designers including uh graphic artists um like proper designers right that would be their sure. real title and then yeah. uh pattern makers we have sewers on site because we do our first um like pre-production sample on yeah. site and from there get that physically approved by the licensor whether it's viacom or um disney and then that becomes like once it gets approved sent to the factory to then replicate for manufacturing and then sure. we get a factory sample that goes again physically sent uh to the licensor for approval so this is a multi-step process but so much of it physically happens in our office in westbury it's kind of yeah. amazing like it's like having on-site r&d like back when i was at nabisco we had an r&d team and they would batch up small batches of cookies when we were trying up the new flavors right if you need a new oreo there's a flavor bank plan and you're you're bet you're probably baking like several dozen oreos before you then scale it to production for thousands and millions of Oreos, right? So that testing would happen on site in like the little test kitchens and everything with our R&D team. They were right down the hall from me. It's the same thing here where like the sewers are like around the corner sitting next to the designers and, you know, sending me like flat files with art um, as well as like photography on mannequins of the costumes and sometimes we'll send swatches if there's really like interesting textures or materials they need to check out. So um, it's really cool to like have that collaborative environment. And so Ruby's brings a lot of that to the table. And then we right. picked up all the old manufacturers that Inovos was using. So out in China, and we have a domestic manufacturer as well, and then in Taiwan. Those are really our three streams, um, which also gets us to the, the timing of the various items. I have a lot going on in China right now, and then sure. the, the, the domestic production is faster to turn on and react yeah, to Yeah, right, right. Yeah. And is that, and then, you know, are, are you finding that, you know, the, the scale of everything is, you know, uh, I, I used to be in, I used to work in snowboarding and sometimes these factories would just, because there were only so many factories that were able to make this one specialty product. Um, I imagine that, you know, mold making and being able to use, you know, thermoplastic and all that, um, you know, is, is there ever, is, you know, are you confident in those it, it, are, are these are you sharing uh, factories with rubies that are making these you know that have the, the the process isn't all that much different for making a toy a toy helmet of <clears throat> a buck and it comes down in the vacuum form and all that um, are, and then is there a different are you using a different factory for like specifically just high end stuff or are you kind of saying these guys are are costume people. Yeah, it's mostly new factories. So for okay. Nuo Novo, it's pretty much everyone that Novos was working with, and we didn't really have overlap with the core Ruby's factories. Got You're it. Right, okay. that it is a limited group. So imagine like the people who do sideshow statues. They probably have like one factory or two factories that really specializes in that particular category. Same right. thing for like the EFX guys. And right. you know, I think I think there is a specific group who understands like high-end development across various categories the same way in apparel like you would never bring like your louis vuitton to the same place as an old navy it's the yeah, same right, thing with us so right. we do have different factories that are qualified for different things and also different sure. specializations like uh, you know i half my portfolio is fiberglass and half of it is abs plastic and right. the, the molds for those are very different the production runs are different in domestic i can actually uh, react faster like i was saying and do smaller runs and we have more control in china i have to guarantee like an moq minimum order 
quantity of sure. whatever uh, hundreds of helmets that I need, and we have to plan it out. And it's like surprisingly linear because if that yeah. one factory is working on Stormtrooper Force Awakens, then they get to Stormtrooper Last Jedi, then they get to the Executioner, and there's a stream. So I've committed to right. I'll make up a fake number, a million helmets, and they've got to like spread them out across you know the three different styles. They can't all happen at the same time usually. Like sometimes right. you can keep making poles, but then they need to get painted and finished and boxed and all of that. Um, so it, that's one of the reasons this, the rollout is taking me two years to get through the back order. I have to right. literally wait for like this factory to finish Project A before moving on to Project B, and he probably has. 30 of the 50 projects. Um, so right. that's one of it too, is like the, we're, we're using a lot of these manufacturers cause it's actually saving us time and money in the long run and yeah. working with people that are trusted and we know the product. Um, I'd love to be able to diversify the number of factories that are in our lineup. And we've got one Ruby's factory in Mexico that is helping us with one helmet right now. And if that becomes a stream that could like take on some of the extra domestic work as well. Sure. Um, but right now, like we, as we start new projects, we're going to look everywhere, but it is amazingly linear. <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> it, I imagine it's crazy. And is there any, is there anything that it would ever come up to an instance where, you know, you've got, you know, and I, and I understand, I think if anything, it's like labor and all of that is, is, is factors into the price of what comes into something, right? There's a, there's a reason that some people go, well, who would ever pay 250 bucks for a hot toys mm-hmm. and you hold a hot toys in your hand and you go, I'm actually shocked. This thing is only 250 yeah. bucks. They make a right? good product. Well, they're just the yeah. detail work. And so yeah. when it comes to something that's complicated, like, uh, you know, say a, you know, this, that Sith trooper helmet, remember those, those bright red guys from, yeah. you know, the fort, the, the rise, yeah. rise of Skywalker. And then you have these other things for consistency of going, you know, so there are some costumes and some helmets, you know, especially you can, you know, for red five, let's say, I know that's something that you guys have. Um, you know, all of the pilots have to have the slide decals need to be consistent. They need to look good. And then of course we can introduce, even though the base pilot is the same, we've, you know, the paint jobs are so wildly different and all of that has to come into the pricing of it. Do you think there's ever a time where you would see domestic detail work on that end? Or do you think that's going to be a thing that overseas is always going to just, just out of for pricing before you price out half your customer, uh, you know, with, with domestic uh, work basically on uh, finishing work, detail work, painting work. Well, I I will say that our portfolio does have a decent number of helmets that are made in America. So the Mandalorian, okay. um, the Imperial Royal Guard. Actually, if I just do a click, a quick click, uh, the the Rise of Skywalker, Kylo Ren, um, the Jango Fett, all three of the clones, the Shore Trooper. Like, there's a good number. Um, all the ABS plastic is being made in um, China currently. Um, sure. And there, but there isn't. Um, like a line in the sand as to like what goes where it's really like who has the expertise and yeah. right now domestic is doing great with fiberglass um, sure. and China is doing great with plastic for the most part and they've done those before like you're right, right. about the X-Wings right like all five of our X-Wings on the site are the same mold and then from there it's the different paint and decals right that's the right. differentiating factor once those are lined up and we know that they can do the consistency on that by the way more X-Wings might be coming I'm working on like what's missing from the current X-Wing assortment so there will come a time when like more X-Wings will get added sometime next year and I'm trying to figure out like who those characters might be maybe sure. there's also something like a blank x-wing and people could sort of customize their look like now that's we're something talking. that 
Yeah, that's the kind of thing where, like, Novo's never really did anything quite like that, but it is where the market is heading with everyone wanting to do personalization. And, you know, Etsy exists for a reason. People mm-hmm. don't want homogenized product anymore. Um, right. And they haven't for a long time. I think the long gone are the days of, like, set it and forget it advertising where there was one commercial that ran to talk about the product on shelf and there was one, you know, lineup of product now you need like all these different variations and everyone wants to make it special for them um, we are yeah. the generation that was told we were special when we were kids and we want to <laughs> right. feel that when we're adults um, right, there's, right there's a little bit of that um yeah. yeah like i i think that that that's where it's headed all the more reason too i want to get you parts and pieces to things and actually one of the things i'm working on the stormtrooper kit uh i do know that Anovo sold those in parts and pieces after the kit came out like replacement right. parts we're going to do something like that as well before the end of the year so I'm working on that, um, trying to react to like what people have been asking us in the customer service inbox that we can turn on quickly. Like people right. are like, "Can we do a make your own X-wing?" And I was like, "I don't see why not. Let me go ask Disney." And they're like, "Yeah, that sure. sounds cool." I was like, "Oh <laughs> shit, yeah, let's do it then." Like yeah, it's the kind sure. of thing where I didn't think that would land. Um, right. By the way, I don't have a timeline on that, but like that's something I'm working on for 2023. And yeah. then like a few people have asked about Imperial officer uniforms from Andor, and I was like, "Well, I don't really have." a plan for that yet because I want to watch the whole show first. And I think in our category, we can be later to the party. Like if you're, if the show is on the air, the action figure needs to be out today. Um, Right. But like for our category, we can wait and see what happens and meet you at celebration in a year. You know what I mean? Right. Like it's a little bit of a different need, like need state. So let me see what happens. Like does Deirdre get promoted and she has a final look? Cause I'll do that. So like, that's the kind of thing where, you know, (laughs) Bingo. And that's, and that's kind of the thing, because the funniest part about, uh, you know, I have some friends who are, you know, who model and they make this stuff. And like Mando, like even a character like Mando, like the amount of people who went out and bought, you know, his original, what they call like the scavenger outfit. I actually had yeah, Brendan, I had Brendan, yeah, I had Brendan Wayne on, who is the character actor for yep. the Mandalorian. He called it the Pinto armor because he literally has a Pinto that his brothers all had when they were growing up. That's like the same color. Uh, oh. <laughs> and he showed me a picture of it and it's incredibly accurate. But, uh, the, the funny it's part is like, you know, yeah, you saw this initial, uh, you saw this initial photo, you saw, uh, the opening 10 minutes at celebration 2019, and then everyone went out and made it right. Yep. And some people were making molds for the plastic and blah, blah, blah. And then in the third episode, he comes out <laughs> with new armor. It's a whole new costume. Like, Nah, you know, so it, it really has been funny at how, you know, the, he had a, uh, you know, he had a death watch knee, which was kind of a pseudo Boba Fett knee. And then he lost <laughs> that for, for season two, but then it's back for season three. And, you know, there's all these things that go into it that I think, you know, again, which is the part of the difference between for you guys, cause you have to sign off on stuff. It makes it harder yeah. to be able to be, you know, a little bit, a little bit easier, um, the 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 other thing that I thought was funny is I know that among the snowtroopers, which I, I have a snowtrooper as well, um, you know, it was really hard to find a Novos parts uh, for snowtroopers, and arguably we the community had determined that there were some Novos parts that were probably the most accurate uh, to represent the Empire Strikes Back. But the problem was is that it was such a small little window of when those were available. Um, mm-hmm. Everyone cracked up because we saw a pile of the shoulders. In when in in season one when they when the Imperials came through and burned out the Coven the the covert underneath yeah the, you know um, we saw some Anovos pieces and we're like oh, that's wow. where our orders went oh my gosh you know so it was like everyone was kind of laughing about that but um, you know and I think too the the story and correct me if I'm wrong but I believe that those are Anovos 
troopers at Galaxy's Edge. I, you know, I think they might be, but I don't know. Um, okay. I've heard that same, uh, I guess, rumor, but sure. like Disney makes a lot of their own props. So that would surprise right. me because Disney, if you visit the parks, I, I don't know who, who on your channel is like an avid Disney goer, but like sure. Disney, even when they have a licensee and a category, will often make that thing within the park, whether it's yeah. for display or for sale. And that's what's right. so interesting is like they've got plenty of licensees in categories where they also make that exact category in the park right. and it's just them. So I don't know if those came from Inovos or if they like, you know, they obviously need to make Stormtroopers for their own shows and their own movies. Yeah. Like they could just have their prop department make that. I don't know why they would actually have Inovos make it. It doesn't make sense to me. So sure. even though I believe that could be true, that doesn't make sense to me. Right. Sure. Like I wouldn't. Right. Do it. I wouldn't have done it that way. Yeah, and I wonder because I think if you go to if you go to Batu, technically you can. I think there is like, and I I know that they put it out there basically as like a lost leader. They know that they might sell one a year maybe to someone who's crazy because uh, they do have an R two unit that you can buy for twenty thousand dollars that works. Of course they do. Um, and so I know someone who bought it. It's crazy. Um, and then they do have a full first order trooper kit that's like eight 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 thousand like a complete one. Yeah. yeah, and so I'm like, well, someone had to have made that, which someone I would have that. assumed. Someone built well, it. Yeah. yeah, and at the time, it's like Galaxy's Edge opened in 2019. Who was the you know who was the merchandise holder before that? It would make sense <laughs> to go. Who makes high end collectibles? Well, we have this company that's a licensee, Anovos. Okay, cool. Right. Um, I just don't know anyone who's bought it to figure out if it's an, and of course, like, yeah. you know, you have that the stormtroopers. That seems way too expensive though for a Novos. Well, but it's like, like, it's, you know, but then you're playing the marketing game of being like, did we just, you know, do, does the, if the person bought it for $8,000, maybe they didn't do their research to find out that you could actually buy it from a Novos for, you know, an 1800 bucks. Yeah. You yeah, know, you know like what that. I mean? It's like, right. It's, yeah. It's, and there's always yeah, a yeah. upcharge of the park, but it seems way too high. That's right. what makes me suspicious that like the Lucasfilm props department probably made that. That's yeah, what I would think. Yeah, and they think. make 10 a year if yeah. that. You know, yeah, right? but they need it for right. their shows. And I guess when production was down, they were like, ah, throw it at the park. Um, right. Maybe. I, by the way, I don't know. Um, right. So okay. as, this as is, a well, licensee, this is... like, sometimes I get insider information, but I've also, like, only asked the questions I needed to have answered for Anovos. In sure. some ways, it's like deniability, plausible deniability is better. Like, sometimes the less I know, the better. Yeah, um, yeah, and yeah. also, like, there are a lot of things in there that are just kind of none of my business. I never asked them why they lost the license. I was like, they lost the license. That's it. Start so, over. Here we go. Yeah. We'll just move forward. I was like, Great. Right. All I know is that I have a job and I'm yeah. working on that now. And yeah. I was like, well, what are the pitfalls? What do I need to be aware of? And one sure. of the things you'll see, and it wouldn't be like immediately recognizable to people, we didn't have pre-orders in the calendar year of 2021. Um, when we went live in August, like everything that was on the site, all six items, you know, giant catalog, um, were in stock. And then every yeah. item we put up on the site after that for the next like three months were all in stock items. We didn't announce our first pre-order until the very end of the year because our agreement with Lucasfilm was like, we need to get items in stock and yeah. not put pre-orders up because we were going to have no credibility because right. of the pre-order fiasco that had yeah. happened with the Novos. And I was like, okay, right. I can live with that. If I can plan my, you know, granted pre-orders are great because like they help fund your next project and they give sure. you insight as to like, Oh, yeah. um, while you're developing the product, how many you need to order? So case in point, if I thought I needed 100 Stormtroopers and I pre-sold three, 
maybe I only need 50, and we'll figure out how to sell the others by the time they arrive. Or I thought I needed 100, and I oversold that by a lot, and yeah. now I need to like order more. That's why pre-orders are helpful. Um, now, right. in the case of other companies, sometimes I use pre-orders to determine whether they will make the product. Yeah. We are not canceling projects over here. So if we have a pre-order up, we're going to make the project. If anything, there might be a slight delay, like I'm dealing, like I was dealing with that on the Imperial officer uniforms. Right. Um, but like they're being made. Um, and we're only putting pre-orders up under a couple of circumstances now. So uh, when we have a pre, when we have an approved pre-production sample, when we've identified the factory that it's being made in, and when the factory has confirmed a schedule, those three things need to line up. It's like the Gong Show; like yeah, all yeah, three yeah. X's need to hit. <laughs> right. And then when Lucas knows that that is true, um, and I say that, and I was like, "Okay, you have the pre-production sample; it's approved. Um, this is the factory it's being made in. It's being made in China here at right. Factory X, and they told us it's being made like from you know November fifteenth through December twentieth, and it's going to then get on a boat on January first. It'll be in our warehouse." Uh, February 1st, we've had the timeline by two months. It's going to arrive in Q2 20. We put it in quarters. It arrives in Q2 2023. They they agree to that, and that's how we put it up on the website. And it also gives right. us a little bit of leeway. Right. Well, and, and, the, and the problem, too, I remember, because there was always like this like infamous Anovos interest list. Oh my god, the interest like, list. No, well, like no one no one had to commit to it with their with their wallet. Yeah. And so you'd have like you know, you'd have like 1500 people be like, Oh, I would buy that. And then it comes to like, yeah. okay, are you ready to pony up? Cause we it's took very your easy interest. to say you're going to get, remember it was get interested. That was the call yeah, to action. Right. Um, and, so yeah, it's very interesting to say you're interested, but like ultimately like everyone's going to say yes, because they want to see the thing get made and then they're going to waffle on whether they're going to make it or not. We're, right. we're not doing an interest list, by the way, our feeling is if you want something, you will email customer service and demand it from us. Um, this, buyer base is not shy um, right. i've never met a shy star wars fan um <laughs> and, and truly in yeah. my eight yeah. years uh um, they are direct and they will tell you what they want and why they want it and why the thing you currently have is wrong and what you're wasting your time on so and that's right fine. i'm a direct person myself and i hope that right. people find that uh candor valuable in this space because i think they were lacking that for so long like sure. i told people i was like i'd rather tell you the truth and you not like it than me lie to you and you leave like in a in a, in a state that's like you're you're misled and you're right. happy about it and then the truth comes and it's worse later like right we should just tell you what's really going on yeah absolutely and and that and that part of it all of that that kind of adds up into this idea of uh you know people and and because star wars is like this like constant i mean you know it used to be you you've been a fan long enough it used to take years in between projects where you would get anything star wars it was like yeah. you know the faucet turned off and then you just waited but now it's it was like nothing every, in the 90s yeah. seriously and every time now it's like you know you're only going like four or five weeks without anything star wars and even just like the shore troopers coming back onto andor now people like uh, like the, it's like the forums have lit back up like a Christmas tree. Like I, you know, I love the. I forgot how much I loved the Rogue One store. You know, short trooper. We saw a few helmets uh, sell, and I was like, "What's ha what's what's happening there?" And I was yeah, like, "Oh, sure, right, yeah. the, right, they were in Andor." Um, yeah, right. Makes sense. Yep. Yeah. Right, right. And so, and I think that you can kind of see that, you know, it's like, it's like, you know, you watched a bunch of people who were making Mandalorian armor, then Book of Boba Fett comes out and people are like, you know, what? I want to make a new Boba Fett. And now Mando season three comes out. Oh, 
I'm going to go back to, you know, so it's like, I think it's, it's costuming ADD is a real thing. I talk about it with oh, people for sure. on the show all the time. How many the unfinished time. costumes are sitting in all your closets out there, everyone? Um, uh, well, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm looking around to see if my wife is somehow listening, but, uh, you know, I, I would say, <laughs> I would say Mark, I have four. Okay. And that's, I'm, okay. I'm, being, I'm being nice about it. Everyone um, tell us in the comments how many you have. Yeah. I, I will say I'm, I'm actively developing. So not just for Denuo, which I've got, I keep touting the 50 items. Um, okay. Still sure. another like 30 to go to clear this back order by the way yeah but i'm working on those 30 my base business my viacom and everything from mm -hmm. halloween 2023 across my other licenses sega and a few others yeah. is almost 100 SKUs. so I'll allow it's it's a lot and those are Halloween yeah. costumes but like 100 items so i have a lot of unfinished costumes in my closet and they will never finish because as i'm working on 23 I, and those get done i'll be then pivoting to 2024 so it'll yeah, be right. an ever continuing um cycle so i i feel you i feel it in my yeah, bones <laughs> yeah for sure and that and, and as someone who used to work in the snowboard industry you know we would have to make our graphics um you know what was wild is like for every burton snowboard graphic that you saw in the store um i had to make 24 different ideas for it two years ago and mm. so it just, you know, and by that time it hits the story, you almost forget about it because yeah. you've, you're living in the future in regards yeah. to like how this stuff is made. Right. Oh, so exactly. it's, it's, it's just an incredible. And then of course with, with the content that's changing. So, I mean, really what I want to take away from this, Mark, cause you've been very gracious with your time and I want to respect it. Um, you know, what I really, I really want to take away from this is, is for people to know that this is, first of all, a new company. There were, you know, we're, we're taking, I think, in my opinion, the product was the best part about Inovos. And so I've, I've already heard a dedication to that level of product from you. Uh, and then truly uh, building on delivering high quality wearable products to fans and the, the, the dedication to filling out the backlog, I think, is probably mm -hmm. something that I want people to listen to this conversation and go, it's not being ignored and it's not being uh, pushed off. It's not saying, yeah, we tried that. And there's someone out in the ether that's going, well, I paid a lot of money for this and where is it? Uh, so I think this is encouraging. And is there anything else that like you want to kind of like give people, uh, you know, just a, uh, 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 at least just wave at them and say, hey, I hear you. I see you. We got it coming. <laughs> Oh, yeah. So I have several calls to action uh, for everyone listening. Um, one, if you are a former a former Anovos customer and you are waiting on items, if you have not already done so, email service at denuonovo.com. Um, that's service at denuonovo.com. Or visit our website at denuonovo.com, and there's a little button for customer service. Um, sure. Tell them what you're waiting for. Um, if you haven't already done so and let it, if you have it, give us your order number, at least tell us like your name, your email. If you have any information about what you may have placed, we will send you your item if it's in stock. So if you tell us you have order one, two, three, four, five for a Mandalorian helmet from 2019 and you have not received it yet, um, we will then ask you to confirm your address and your phone number and we will mail you your helmet. If your awesome. item is not in stock and it's on pre-order or something, we'll give you a timeline as to when it's coming. We'll of course confirm all this. We've got like a big Excel file with everyone's information. We will sure. always check for your to confirm your delivery address is the biggest thing. Um, yeah. If you've not heard from us in a while and you're wondering like, hey, I thought that thing I ordered is in stock now, we probably just need you to confirm your address. Just email us and tell us. Sure. Um, and if you haven't been getting emails from us, um, if like we have a whole... 
as I mentioned, an Excel file of like every single customer from Anovos with their emails. Some people may have changed emails and like have, are not getting our Denuo Novo emails, or they went to your spam and you never like clicked in. Uh, contact us, and we will add you back to our Denuo Novo email list. We email the the list probably twice a week. Usually, it's the news of like what's in stock or what's on pre-order, or some other news beat, like, hey, we're going to be at New York Comic Con. And by the way, during that week, we had a sale. So there was an email, like, every day. Yeah, it was right. like, the sale is on, the <laughs> sure. sale is on, the sale is on. Like, sure. But I promise we won't, like, spam you to death. Like, two a week is really our cadence, and it's usually, like, what's on sale, pre-order, pretty and normal. then what's in stock. Like, yeah. pretty, pretty basic. Yeah. Um, and if you have any other questions, like, you can ask them, like, hey, I'm interested in a Shore Trooper armor. Um, yeah. You know, we're not actively working on that, but I'll add it to my, I've got a giant list of, like, what p- things people have, uh, requested and when things get more than 10 like I start you know I circle it and it's like okay yeah. maybe we start looking at that now so if there's like 10 of sure. you who want a short trooper armor by the way that's not enough to make an order but like it gets me into the like yeah. do we need to put that on the development plan right um, so those are really the things and if you want to follow us on all our social channels we're at Denuo Novo that's D-E-N-U-O-N-O-V-O it's a weird name um, and I'm at Darth Von Olin so if you want to stalk me on Twitter or Instagram you can see I'm just like literally a normal guy with like a regular job um, yeah, I'm, right. I'm not continuing a scam so <laughs> Very sure. I love that. Yeah. Well, well, Mark, it, it's it's been awesome uh, to to have you on the show and kind of like get really brief us on, um, you know, what could tr- you know continue to be a really fantastic company that's dedicated to this level of of Star Wars costuming uh, that clearly you can see there is a passionate community for, uh, and I, I think that's it's really awesome to see that this this wasn't a, a failed project a couple of years ago from a, yeah. a bunch of other fans. Uh, so I, I love that. But before I before I let you go, Mark, it's tradition here on Armor Party that I've got to do a lightning round with you where I ask you a bunch of questions and you got to answer them as fast as you can because I know that you're a fan and I want to remind people that besides all of these shipping issues and stuff that we're dealing with as manufacturers that there is a mega fan underneath all of that so if you're good to go with the lightning round are you ready to play? Oh boy I'm, I'm scared let's go we're um, good we're good yeah. fear right, to Mark. anger let's do it <laughs> <laughs> Mark, are you a lightsaber or a blaster guy? Lightsaber. Red. All right. Oh, well, okay. I was going to say my next question is actually if you're a lightsaber guy, who has the coolest lightsaber of all the lightsaber wielders across the galaxy? It's a tie for me. It's the Darth Maul original double-bladed and then truly Ahsoka Tano's white lightsabers. Um, She's my favorite character and those are my favorite sabers. That is a fantastic answer. I absolutely love that. So, and 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 because we're talking so much about, uh, you know, all the different characters that exist in Star Wars, uh, you know, who has the better costumes? Do you think it's the good guys or the bad guys of Star Wars? Ooh, the bad guys are largely homogenous. Um, sure. Imperial officer uniforms. Um, the good guys, though, if you think of the Jedi, are largely in robes, and that are not too exciting. But the most iconic costumes are probably the heroes like Luke and Han and Leia like the, you, it's hard to top those and Padme alone it could be a museum of costumes Agreed. so I'm going to go good guys I'm going to say good guys okay. even though Darth all Vader right. is probably the most iconic looking character in all of science fiction Agreed. You stack them up the good guys win on that one Okay. All right. That's a uh, that's an answer. You heard it here first. I bet you now you're going to get a bunch of tweets about it. Of oh of all of all the stormtroopers, and we've seen so many different variations at this point in Star Wars. What is your like? I got to ask you, Mark. What is your favorite kind of stormtrooper? 
Oh God, I I'm I will tell you this. I'm not a huge trooper guy. Um, okay. All the various, okay. I'm an imperial officer dude. Um, yeah, yeah, black. yeah. But I will say the clone troopers that we just saw in live action, and specifically the 501st live action in Book of Boba Fett in the flashback with Baby Grogu, right. um, blew me away, and I did not yeah. see that coming. Though that that very specific moment might be my favorite. Okay, that's a that's a, and I think you know there's a lot of people who listen to this that are going to go this uh, I can tell this is a man of taste. Yeah. <laughs> that, is, that is a that is a fantastic answer. So Mark, if you if you've had the chance to be able to to see some photos of of course the archives and the products that you're going to replicate, if you were able to walk around the Lucasfilm archives and take something home for your own personal display of collections, which I know that you've got nice ones. What 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 would you take from the archives to be able to keep at home? Oh boy. Um, I have an emotional answer for this one and it's more about I, the character. I'm ready um, for it. Princess Leia's blaster from a new hope. Um, Carrie Fisher is like my North star of star Wars. Like as, as a gay man, um, I've worshiped her for years, even like separate outside of star Wars. Right. Sure. Like she is, she is Carrie Fisher. Like she's yeah. beyond princess yes. Leia. Um, her yep. show wishful drinking was like possibly the greatest live show I've ever seen. Like she's bonkers, <laughs> um, in yeah. the best possible way. I've been obsessed right. with her and the character of Leia is just so important for the saga and being like the one woman in basically all of star Wars for that entire original 20 year span, um, like holding the ship. Um, and she was just a badass and I love everything about her, the character and her, the woman. And I got a chance to like briefly work with her when I was at tops, like doing autographs and stuff. I never met her. I met her, um, outside of work, um, never like work related, but like sure. that, that would be amazing to have like a prop of Leia. And I feel like the gun, cause it was so long and crazy and insane and like yeah, yeah. against the white gown that she's wearing this like incredibly elegant princess with this like crazy hair and then like the scariest gun you'll ever see if that were in real life it would be like one of those long it's like one of those long almost cartoon looking guns from like a noir film like it was, it was that, like a yeah. joker pulls it out of his pants yeah, in, in that's 89. exactly the rep- 1989 <laughs> batman joker long gun yeah, like that yeah. so that would be like hung on the wall like um you know and then i'd have to get like a replica of the hair and the dress and all that shit so yeah <laughs> as as you do when you're a collector yeah. you know you build a shrine um, to leia as you should. Yeah, of course, which is totally normal in my within my in Absolutely. my group of friends. Yeah. Um what who is an iconic uh but underrated costume in Star Wars? Ooh, underrated costume. Um you know, we were talking about Cad Bane earlier. You mm-hmm. know, he's very western and so I think people overlook the fact that like that hat is just like um, I'm gonna show. You. I have this like stupid giant fedora over here for like no reason. It's from Jeepers Creepers, but it's that same style of like giant cowboy hat. Um, and I think you could piece it together actually really easily as a costumer. People don't talk about that enough. That like Cad Bane is a very cool look, and you don't even need the blue. Like we saw the, just the silhouette coming in the shadow and Book of Boba Fett, and we immediately knew it was everyone him. knew. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so Cad Bane's in my head. I may come up with a different answer at a later time because there are some like there are some nutty like costumes throughout all of Star Wars that are just like you see the picture and you're like, oh right, that guy, like Ice Cream Dude, right? Who they do the run with <laughs> well, from Empire good. Strikes Back. Yeah, like <laughs> and he carries around the ice cream maker. They have a whole run of them at Star Wars Celebration. That's insane. Yeah, but like yeah. Th- it's like you know, um, yeah. I, I'm gonna go Cad Bane though. I love that. I love that. Well, yeah, and Star Wars fans gonna Star Wars fan. I mean, the amount of yeah. like I, I I stop and take photos of every Forlom, 
every Bosk, <laughs> every Dengar I see, because they're just like, you know, there are these characters that existed on screen for a whopping, oh, I don't know, like, three like seconds. You know, exactly. Oh, and then all those actors signed autographs for me at Tops. So let me tell you, Chris Parsons and Alan Harris, may he rest in peace. Um, Jeremy Bullock, may he rest in peace. Yes. Um, all, the, all those bounty hunters were all over all of the trading cards at Tops. We had them in every set we could They because people loved them. Um, what an Alan opportunity would, for yeah. them. Yeah, it was amazing. Can you imagine like getting to live your life where you're on screen for three seconds in a movie and then you do the convention circuit for the next 40 years? Like, sign me up. I would love to be in 10 seconds of a Star War. Like, that's Agre- that's actually my real dream. Like, yeah, I'll do Agreed. a voice gig, whatever. Sign me up. Agre- agreed. You know, and then it's like people show up and they're like, and you're, you're like, actually, I, I would sign this for five bucks, but like, yeah. you're going to pay I'll do me it for 40. a nickel. So, yeah, you're going to yeah. pay me 45 <laughs> bucks for this. Like, I'm cool. I'll be, at, I'll be at your convention. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. All right, Mark. So let me ask you this other. I got two left for you. So I'm sorry, what yeah. is right? We're in you, speed round. <laughs> that's right. It's fine. This is this is how it usually goes. Um, so you're you're in New York, obviously transportation. You're a guy who travels all over the place. If there was a ship in Star Wars that you were able to take around to be able to travel in, what ship would you pick? Yeah, this is the easiest question you've asked me. It's the ghost. Um, the I ghost. am a Rebels yes. fanatic. Rebels fanatic. I literally have a YouTube show called Star Wars Rebels Revisited. That's the t-shirt I'm wearing. So I love that. Um, I'm, I'm part of the Virtual Cantina Network, and being a super fan, my friends in the fandom have their own show. They do a watch-along. They invited me on as a co-host, and that turned into I got a spinoff. And so I, I run this show every Monday, and we talk just Rebels. And Rebels has not been on air for four years, but the fingerprint of Rebels spreads like the world between worlds into everything else that's happening and so for me i must have watched the series through all 80 episodes at least five times each and so the ghost is like my other home um it is actually a house right like it's not like some ships are cars and some ships are houses this one's a house um and everyone's got their own room it's still got the chess table it's got the holograms and the it's got a a ship that detaches from it called the phantom so you can do little mini mini missions um, right. And it's also like the the heart and soul of that series, which is my favorite part of the entire saga. So, like for me, like the ghost is like the easiest, like hands down, must have ship. And it was also, uh, it was you know, if you're Hera and Kanan, and it's Hera's ship, and and she's at, you know, like you think about it, you're like, oh, hey, Sabine, what are you what are you working on this this day? Oh, I decided to repaint my room. You're like, that's great, hon. Are you having mm-hmm. fun? Like you love that wholesomeness of you know how yeah. uh, how how that ship became a, like you're saying a character. Yeah, a I think that's a, it's yeah. a fantastic answer. So I uh, I absolutely has anyone love else said that. the ghost yet, or am I like alone on that one? No, I because I, I bet I you had, everyone says the Falcon, right? Like lots it's of people. Be the number one. Yeah, lots of people say the Falcon, of course, and then someone like by default because they were thinking about it like mathematically, they're like, well, I'd want to start a destroyer because it's got Tie Fighters in it. I'm like, okay, fine, I get it. But then, then I've had, yeah. <laughs> but then I Whoever did, that was, I actually, tell them I boot him. <laughs> sure, sure, I will. Um, and then, and then we did also have someone who did say the ghost because, again, she was a Ahsoka, and uh, mm. she was a Hera uh, cosplayer, and so oh, cool. she was like, "That's she was like the ghost is my thing, Rebels my thing." And I said, "Well, hey, Rebels gotcha. remembered. I'm right there with you." Yeah. Uh, so that's that's awesome. So let me ask you this last question, Mark. Uh, you know, it's always important, of course, after you have a stressful job like say inheriting a company that's got a bunch of angry customers with it uh you know vacation and mental breaks are important in what star wars planet would you go on vacation 
Oh, there's a few different places that I think would be fun to visit. Um, Coruscant seems like the right answer, though, because everything happens there. It's the center of the universe. Okay, it is sure, the, it sure. Is, it is the capital of the galaxy. Yeah. Um, and depending on what time you go, it's better than other times, right? I kind of right. want to visit Coruscant during the Republic time period, as mm-hmm. opposed to during the Imperial time period. You know, back when, like, the Jedi Temple was there. I, th- I hear right. you get tours. Um, you know, but also, like, the underground levels are really fun. Maybe you'll run into Asajj Ventress. Um, like, I think that would be a really interesting place. I'm a New Yorker, so for me, like, that's exciting cities. to be like, oh, there's yeah, a whole sure. planet of, like, all cities, whereas I would die immediately on Tatooine or Hoth. Right. Like, sure. you expose me to the elements. I'm not an outdoorsy person, so if you're telling me that, like, the, there's there's no civilization, there's a lot of Star Wars planets that I'm not going to, Endor included, even though I am a child <laughs> of Endor. Like, it's, sure. it's, all, it's all trees. I was like, where yeah. are the cities? So, for me, Coruscant is like the easy answer yeah <laughs> that, that's a that's a great answer and it just kind of shows like we're comfortable with what we're comfortable with right like yeah you know there's some people who are like well you know i, I went to hawaii and i thought it was beautiful so i'd like to go to naboo you're like oh well that makes sense um, naboo's I, gorgeous I, yeah right that's italy I, right mostly where they filmed the practical yes. stuff there yeah yes yes so yeah. you kind of are able to technically go there um and and i'm i'm up in the upper peninsula of michigan so it is hoth six months out of the year ah, if, if we're yeah. lucky so you know I'm, I'm used to it and then it's endor the other six months so yeah uh you know all I of that, that makes sense yeah for sure i well, went Mark, to school in pittsburgh so i remember the oh, cold yeah. winters like yeah yeah. yeah yeah so that all and all of that all of that kind of helps us shape uh the things the biomes that we connect with in star wars yeah. and thankfully there's so many of them i think there's something for everybody so Mark, it has been so fantastic to be able to talk with you. I'm, I'm excited about this idea that the partnership with the 501st and the other costuming clubs uh, is going gonna, is gonna to be maintained. It's going to be encouraged because I think, you know, you will find that a lot of uh, us costumers are, are looking constantly for, for great products that represent the reason we fell in love with them and we would be looking to purchase something high-end. So I think it's it's fantastic seeing these options out there. Uh, and also with, of course, the confidence and the backing of, of, a, of a company that's as legendary as Ruby's. Uh, and, and this is exciting. So where can people follow along with if people are listening and they go, I want to learn about this? Um, I know you've got your personal social. And, and, yep. and is it, you know, Facebook is, Facebook, where, where is the best way for people to, to get the latest updates from these products? Yep. So Denuo Novo, um, at Denuo Novo on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We do all three of the channels. Um, sure. I would start at the website. And okay. if you need to email customer service for any reason, whether you have an Innova's back order, or if you want an update, if you've already been in contact with us, but just want an update, or want to recommend a product, like that's a good starting place. And if you want to connect with me personally, I'm on Twitter more than anything else, at Darth Von Olin, and also on Instagram, at, at Darth Von Olin. Um, but yeah, at Denuo Novo are the official channels. Um, and someone from customer service will help you out. I love that. I love that. Well, it's been fantastic talking with you. uh, And I look forward to seeing all of the exciting things. And for people, my friends who have ordered stuff, it's going to start showing up eventually. uh, And I and I look forward to hearing their response and the excitement of them getting those products. So I I commend you, of course, for your for your confidence and being able to come in and say, hey, we know uh, that we were we were certainly walking an uphill battle. uh, (laughs) And and it's awesome to see uh, that it's awesome to see that that's being worked on that's being fulfilled. So Mark, may the force be with you. And where will we see you next? Are we? What's the next convention you'll be at? Star Thank Wars you. Celebration? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, that's six months away at this point now. So the sure. next official convention you'll probably find Denuo at will be Star Wars Celebration. All um, right. I'm personally going to Rhode Island Comic Con. There's a awesome. big Star Wars uh, guest list there, and a lot of the virtual yes. cantina guys are going to be there. So if anyone's at Rhode Island, hit me up on Twitter and say hello. I'd love to see some 501sters. I know there's always a big 501st presence as well as the um, – Rebel uh, Legion is there. Yes. Um, Rhode Island's one of my favorite conventions, and the, everyone there is, like, super nice. I remember last year, um, I want to say it was, like, Emily Swallow and... Um, they had a great list for yeah, how had, seemingly small the the, they, the actual they like, went presence over, though, is. To, yeah, but they all went over to the 501st. Like, that whole group went over there, um, a bunch of the guys. And I'm blanking on who else was there, but I remember Emily. Um, yeah. And they, they all went over and uh, took some pictures with the 501sters. It was very cool. So yeah, yeah. I'll see I think, some of you guys there. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, so so there we go. We'll see you at Celebration, and <laughs> may the Force be with you, my friend. You too, and also with you. Well, hopefully that clears everything up. You can clearly hear Mark's passion for costuming and how much he enjoys being a part of this space. Please do reach out to Duano Novo to settle up on what you are still in need of. You can clearly see that he wants to talk to you, wants to get you your stuff, but let's look forward as a community for even more options for armor and wearable Star Wars props. Thank you, as always, to Alton James for doing our amazing Armor Party themes. Alton and I played music together as kids all the way through high school. We had a brief little stint after college, and for him to create and share his talent with me as another huge Star Wars fan means the galaxy. So please do hit Alton up if you need a project scored, if you're working on a fan film, or really anything audio-related. Find him at Alton underscore James on Instagram. And remember to use the code THANKTHEMAKER at roosevelts.com, that's R-S-V-L-T-S.com, to get yourself some holiday swag and tighten up that wish list with 20% off. Once again, I am your host, Mike Forrester, reminding you that being an adult is boring, but building Star Wars armor is anything but.